This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now tuned into another Dolphins podcast where we're going to give you a bunch more Dolphins content. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. This is the Jake and Josh show where we have some very, very dire things to talk about. We have a birthday gate on our hands. We have a list of available free agents that are still on the board that the Miami Dolphins might go shopping, might go chase. But before we get into all the content, before we get into all the jazz, Joshua Houts, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Jake. I don't know if you are in any dynasty fantasy leagues, but a lot of those rookie drafts have started and I have not got a single Devon A-Chain share yet. So I'm in, I'm a little bit pained. Um, I took Jordan and then a pick later a chain went so i'm a little bit uh distraught right now but how have you been man i'm glad we get to come on here and talk about breaking news because we do have some breaking news to discuss we're always so used to it dropping right when we're recording right after go check our tyree kill episode if you want to learn more about that one but josh can i ask you can we can we talk a little dynasty for a second because i'm on june 4th have my first ever dynasty it's the startup draft so it's like the normal draft nice but, but tell me about the rookie draft where is a chain going and i guess why didn't you pick him that spot earlier yeah well i have um you know i've been a homer with when it comes to fantasy football so many times i mean i've always made the homer pick and i'm sitting there and i see jordan addison i'm like okay this is a really good receiver probably shouldn't be here at 107 everyone's gonna make fun of you if you reach for devon a chain and then i took him and the very next pick was devon a chain and i was just absolutely Uh, It ruined my week. I'm still upset about it. But I mean, I'm a little surprised. I mean, I think we're all pretty stoked on A-Chain, but I didn't know that so many in the fantasy community are. I mean, I think the latest I've seen him go is uh, second round, sixth pick, so 206. And he's been pretty much taken in the first round. So a lot of people like him. He even went ahead of Zach Charbonnet and some of those other guys, Kendry Miller. So um, yeah, maybe I need to go back to the Homer house and uh, take A-Chain whenever I get a chance because it does suck. All the leagues I'm in, I still do not have one share. And two, it's not like it's the, you know, your first round pick. It's like, you just know this guy's on your team. It's going to be interesting to watch him develop. I mean, like signing Jeff Wilson last year, it's not like you're doing it to win. I mean, I did do it to win my league, but you're doing it just because you know that game's going to come as a Dolphins fan, that the opportunity is there. I just think there might be too many buzzwords around A-Chain and the Dolphins. You know, Mike McDaniel, the speed, the the track meet type thing. I just wonder if that might be saucing it up a little bit more than it, and it might just be especially early on. Yeah, that could be it. But again, I just uh, feel so bad that I just didn't do what I would normally do. And I do have, uh, you know, memories of, I think, trading up and taking Tua and probably letting like a really good, I may have even go after him. So I, I don't know, man, there's some mistakes that I made and I just 
look back on that. Do you know what pick you have in your startup? Or I, I don't want to get too far sidetracked, but do you know what your plan is? Nada. Um, it's Nada. it's an auction, and I I I guess I propose third. So it's it's gonna be a mess. Last year I did an auction, and I just I said um, f them picks, and just spent all my money on McCaffrey, which was awful. It didn't work, and it was a disaster. So so we are learning from our mistakes here. And Joshua, I think the Miami Dolphins are starting to learn from their mistakes as well, where they're not trying to break the bank with the tight end room. And we got some pretty interesting news on Tuesday, Eric Saubert's birthday. Chosen <laughs> birthday, and instead the Miami Dolphins decided to go out and sign Tyler Croft to a one-year deal. I think he spent four seasons with the Bengals, uh, partied in Buffalo for a bit, jumped on with the Jets, then he went to the 49ers, and now he's a member of the Miami Dolphins. So, Josh, maybe not the flashiest signing. What's your initial reaction when you see this go down? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just did a shoulder shrug. Like, okay, they brought in another warm body to the tight end room. You've talked about it time and time again. They had interest in Irv Smith earlier this offseason. Um, we kind of figured they might bring another guy in. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know that this is really going to move the needle. It's just more competition. But you had to laugh when it's Eric Sauber's birthday and they're sitting here signing a tight end. It also makes you wonder what they're going to do with Elijah Higgins. I mean, we all kind of see him going from wide receiver to tight end. We all saw what they did last year with Ezukoma and uh, Channing Tindall. So, to think that he's probably going to redshirt this year would probably be a good guess. But, um, yeah, I think a couple seasons ago we probably all have been hyped for Tyler Croft. I think it was heading into 2018. He was uh, one of those dy- uh, fantasy darlings. Everyone thought the world of him that he might just be that next great tight end. Didn't quite work out whether it was knee injuries or just not getting playing time. But um, he's a guy that can do some things similar to Saubert, similar to Smythe, and some of those other guys. So um, I think one thing that we started to notice, whether it was them passing on a nice tight end in the draft or now with the way they're going in free agency and re-signing some of these guys is they just don't feel that they need that. Uh, I guess George Kittles don't fall from trees, right? But we all thought, okay, well, they need this dynamic tight end that can block and do this and that I don't think Mike McDaniel sees it that way when he has those weapons on the outside so uh, I did a shoulder shrug I'm intrigued to see if this works out but um, yeah it's nothing more than just bringing another warm body in my opinion what were your thoughts the timing the timing instantly sticks out to me because you know we're starting to do things look at the free agents still available Uh, look at signing the guys in the draft which I guess doesn't really mean too too much since the Dolphins didn't have a first pick but they made this deal official before the Byron Jones money went through. Like, you know, there, there could be a few backhand agreements signed by the dolphins about, Hey, when Byron Jones, uh, the money's on the books, we'll sign you. But the fact that happened before when the dolphins are really digging deep into those uh, pockets to find a couple pennies, I think it's interesting because it just sticks to the point. He's a very cheap veteran that you can trust that you can bring in and be an inline defender. Josh, I think part of the reason he was so, I don't want to say cheap, but one of his issues was his inability to stay on the field, right? I, I think he suffered a foot injury in 2018 that landed him in IR. Um, I think he broke You have here. He broke his foot on the first day of OTAs. There's just been some really bad luck there. So to me, man, it's just a, a depth piece, something to be comfortable with when there's going to be situations where you just need an inline defender. Uh, inline tight end excuse me or just somebody on the field whether it's a camp body teaching elijah higgins uh i see a lot of people griping josh saying that oh no the dolphins didn't go get this premier tight end and we're here rumors i think it was jeremy fowler of espn report that the dolphins were interested in laporta and, and one other tight end i can't think of who it was but they just didn't have the draft capital and to me this is where you know losing that first round pick hurts but i don't think this is that big of a uh concern looking at a tight end room that that fits of what Durham Smythe Tyler Croft Eric Saubert and then Elijah Higgins and Tanner Connor as those kind of wild card guys 
Yeah, I, I think, again, I think they think the world of Smythe. I think we saw that when they re-signed him. I think we all heard last year how they felt about Tanner Connor. So I'm willing to sit here and just see the way things play out. His best season did come in 2017 after Tyler Eifert, another fantasy darling, you know, can never stay healthy, got hurt, caught 42 receptions for 404 yards, eight touchdowns. Like you mentioned, he suffered that foot injury. Then he signs with Buffalo, suffered the foot injury in OTAs. I think he was on the COVID list a few times in 2020. Um, only had four catches last season for the 49ers. And someone tweeted out, you know, he only had four catches. I was like, well, that's three more than uh, Hunter Long had, right? So um, I'm, intrigued to see, I'm intrigued to see the way this thing works out. I even made a little joke that uh, Mike White had a wish list when he came to Miami. You know, they signed Braxton Berrios, Dan Feeney. Now they signed uh, Tyler Croft. So um, the Dolphins continues to say, you know, the cream rises, you know, iron sharpens iron, and we're going to play the best guy. So who knows what Tyler Croft can do at this age? You know, he's a seasoned veteran. He did show some decent things throughout his career let's see the way this thing plays out but i don't think dolphin fans should really feel one way or the other about this and honestly i think we just need to start all coming to realization that we don't need that premier tight end it is nice that you brought up that nugget from jeremy fowler because i was trying to get in there and read that article yesterday and i cannot i don't have a the you know a log in espn whatever the hell it is to get in there but i am interested to know that the dolphins had uh their eye on laporte and whoever that other guy was so uh, maybe we'll get that tight end down the line maybe someone becomes available but uh we were playing right and then they went out there and signed cross so uh they checked that one off the box for us yeah and you kind of look at in the situation where trent sherfield and river craycraft a little bit last year just guys who kind of know the system someone who can come in and, and craycraft spent half the season as a practice squad guy so there could even be a scenario where he's just that backup if a smythe misses a game or something along those lines uh because that depth is really um misplaced now if you only have you know one Saubert behind Smythe you need guys you can trust you need guys who can maybe not get scared of a moment or have that quick mental lapse where you know they drop a ball or they miss an assignment because again I think we need to go back to the point that the Dolphins are in win now mode they can't really surrender too many just silly mistakes by rookies in that developmental process when you can fill out this depth chart with these you know experienced vets uh Josh what I see here uh, in 2017 he had eight touchdowns alone Tyler Croft. And there are a lot of people real jazzed up, like, you know, the Mike McDaniel offense needs tight ends and, and all these different things. There's maybe three tight ends in the NFL that are worth giving big money. If you wanted to argue five, sure. But outside of that, man, you're just looking for guys that fit. And I want to ask you, because there are some people, you know, uh, your nerdy voice is better than mine, no matter how much you want to admit it. But, but Josh, think about the Miami Dolphins, one of the greatest franchises in history. I'm just going to say it. Think back to the 1970s. Josh, they set some unique records in 2020 with a squad of Mike Gesicki, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheed. Now, we can say right away that's not the flashiest group. I know Mike Gesicki had a couple awesome years. That Chan Gailey offense really spoke to him. But the tight end room as a whole set career highs in 2020 with 91 receptions, 1,061 yards, and they tied a franchise record with 11 touchdowns. That was a historic season. And they scored 11 touchdowns and had 1,000 yards. You know who had 1,000 yards, Josh? Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline had 1,000 yards. So to me, man, you just kind of had to put this into the perspective. Would you love a George Kittle? Would you love a Travis Kelsey? Obviously. But what we see here is Miami not reaching. I think this goes back to the idea that Chris Greer knows the traits he's looking for, those inline defenders, those guys you don't have to give the franchise tag for. And I think this is it. Probably a little more commotion than we'd like, but again, it's a camp body. It's a developmental guy and someone you can just kind of trust moving forward. Yeah, I think we got to tip our hat to George Godsey, right? Wasn't that the season that he was here? And I know he was that yep. tight end guru that got the most out of the unit. So 
Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see who Ace is. I mean, I'm thinking about it, and Smythe and Saubert and um, Croft, they're all kind of like the Spider-Man meme, right? They're all kind of pointing at each other. I mean, I think Durham Smythe might be the most refined out of this group, but they're all kind of in that same, uh, you know, that same category where they do a little thing like they, they can catch, they can run routes, they can do all that stuff. They can block, but it's not that elite type, you know, they do everything good, but nothing great. And um, I guess maybe we got to think that maybe Tanner Connors, the anomaly in there that can bring that speed and do a little bit of different stuff. So again, I'm going to continue to say I'm intrigued. Elijah Higgins. We'll, we'll talk about him another time. We talked about him on a previous pod. I mean, he has some nice skills that they could develop, but um, I think this year they're going to roll with what they have, and I think you know it's going to be enough to get the job done, especially when it comes to pass protecting and run blocking and things like that that maybe Mike Kosicki couldn't do. I I did an episode of Dolphins Detail with uh, at Brian Cat NFL on Twitter recently, and he made a great comparison. Let's just say Smythe is your Anthony Fasano. Um, he believes Elijah Higgins could be your Charles Clay. Nice. And to me, that really got interesting because you want that kind of fullback hybrid. So it's interesting, going to be great to see what they do with him and what they do with Alec Ingold when he doesn't have a, a you know a big ass club on his hand, where <laughs> it's obvious he's not going to be catching balls no matter how far he goes out. Uh, Josh, one quick note here, and I think we both found it wicked funny. Uh, the Dolphin social media team is awesome. I think they do a great job of, of just posting content that you know we have fun with. Uh, everyone, go check. <laughs> on may 5th or may 9th excuse me they posted a happy birthday eric post and it is just the most bland thing where it looks like it's like intern eric here i think there were a bunch <laughs> of comments underneath just who is this guy what is this guy doing here and that just kind of goes to show this direction of the tight end room where um it's not going to be these flashy guys but hey here's our intern eric and he's ready to uh block some dudes down the seam yeah, I, w I was dying when I saw that because I swear when they normally do it, they have like the full name, but then they did it for Chosen Anderson, who you and I both joked, man, they completely forgot about his birthday until that <laughs> press conference came out because they didn't say anything. But even for them, then they said happy birthday, Chosen. So, um, yeah, man, I was dying. Eric, I mean, Eric Solver looks like he could have been, you know, an intern. He could have been the guy that, you know, posted that thing to Twitter, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it looks. So it was definitely funny and we can all sit here and joke, but Hopefully, you know, at the end of this year, we're sitting here talking about Eric Solver and people are buying his jersey because he's now going to be this crazy tight end. I think he's got the sleeve tattoos and things like that. So, um, you know, stranger things have happened, right? But let's see the way this whole thing works with John Embry and that tight end room because, like you mentioned, man, George Godsey had a historical uh, season out of those guys just a few years back. I still go back to John Embry talking about his time with Hunter Long, about saying, you know, he realizes he really gets football and all that stuff. I, I'd love to be at a fly on the wall for some of these things where it's not just the uh, regurgitated coach speak over and over. You know, he gets it. He's hardworking, blah, 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 blah. Uh, just a little context here. Uh, Tyler Croft, you sign him now. Kyle Rudolph, Cameron Braid available. Is Does it matter? I mean, you, you, I still go back. The fact they could make the signing now just indicates how cheap it is. That, to me, is more important than getting the guy who's third in Bucks history in touchdowns in Cameron Braid. I don't know if you can even believe that. Or uh, big country Kyle Rudolph, who I think is also a little on the older side. So, yeah, man, Tyler Croft, let, let, let's ride. Let's ride. I I probably would have been able to spin Kyle, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, I remember having him in fantasy leagues, like tons of shares and thinking that he was going to be great. And uh, even Cameron Bray, but yeah, man, Tyler Croft, let's see the way this works out. And again, it just goes to show you that the dolphins are not done adding, uh, you know, bringing in guys that can compete. Uh, they'll, they'll continue to do that throughout this off season. So we really shouldn't be surprised when they bring in guys. And like you have here, Jake, we have a, t we have a list of guys that we think the dolphins should go after. Don't we? Yeah, man. And that's kind of what the plan for today was. We were going to break out our big a bag to find glass and look at some of the position groups. Uh, Miami would still look to add in tight end was one 
thanks Chris Greer we don't have to talk about that anymore uh but man I think the biggest one that everyone loves to talk about is right tackle Cameron Fleming came in for a visit that goes back to the Byron Jones money there might be a reason he isn't signed yet tinfoil hat I don't know anything for real um at 30 years old he had seven sacks allowed and five hits allowed last year with the Broncos he allowed just two sacks after week 11 and I don't know if you saw this, man. Von Miller was on a podcast recently, and he was talking about how Tua is one of the hardest quarterbacks to sack. So that, to me, one, may be super shocked, but when you think about that disaster of that Broncos team last year, and you consider like how much better Fleming got throughout the season, you do wonder if they were just kind of figuring things out, uh, equalizing the playing field in terms of that, and Maybe those meltdowns had to do with Russell Wilson being under center. Maybe those numbers don't look as scary as seven sacks with someone like Tua, who, as Von Miller says, is hard to tackle. So, uh, Josh, you have Cameron Fleming out there. Is that the guy you'd go to for right tackle? And if so, is that is that like a locked in stone, Austin Jackson, you're not the guy anymore? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I really, I'm, I always tell people that I'm not the offensive line guru. That's probably the, the thing I'm the worst at sitting there critiquing or grading. And um, I really, I'm looking at these guys. I mean, I, I again thought Brandon Shell last season did okay, right? I mean, I thought he filled in there nicely. Mm-hmm. I know that that's not what you want starting at right tackle. You know, that's not what you want protecting to a tongue of a love, but um, I won't be opposed to them bringing him in as depth to compete. I mean, you have him written down here, a lot of five pressures twice uh, at right tackle, former fifth round pick in 2016 two sacks and eight hits allowed 31 I mean these guys are all up there in age right so you're pretty much just bringing in a I don't want to say a bandage but you kind of are I mean so I would have no I would not sit here and be upset one bit if they brought in Cameron Fleming to compete with Austin Jackson I think again you need someone there other than Austin Jackson I mean I want to sit here and say that he's going to put it all together right and say that he's going to turn this thing around but no signs you know we have not seen any inkling that that could possibly happen so um I think the Dolphins do have a plan in place I do think they have someone in mind whether it's Cameron Fleming like we mentioned um you know they maybe they bring back Brandon Shell. I know Taylor Lewan was on uh one of those barstool things and he talked to Frank the Tank and said you know the Dolphins called me so that's an option I know Jawan James was a free agent I was looking at the list before we came on here so there are some guys that have had success in the league that I think could be an upgrade over Austin Jackson but to your question uh whether or not they have just pen you know immediately make them the starter I think it would again be a competition I do think they're going into this season thinking that Austin Jackson's a guy hoping that Austin Jackson's a guy we know they didn't pick up his fifth year option so that tells you how they really feel about him but um I think even if they sign Fleming whether it be him Michelle, Luan, you know, Juwan James, Isaiah Wynn's out there. Isaiah Wynn, that might that might change my opinion. But I think it's going to be a competition, and they're going to see which one of these guys can uh, battle it out and, and become that right tackle starter. But that was an interesting tidbit you said about Tua. I didn't realize that Von Miller said that because it makes you wonder if Tua is just slippery or if it's that pocket presence. I don't know what it might be. There was one play, I mean, in May, the context for any play that sticks in my head is pretty much gone. Uh, but there was one play where Tua, I think it was it a Trent Sherfield touchdown where he had a mean spin out to the left side of the field and just hit a dagger. And it was just, it was electric and just kind of going from uh, baby deer Ryan Tannehill to that. That's the evasiveness you want. That's like that early stages, Russell Wilson, where he's not just this big old tree trunk that he is now, but just that ability to move around and you don't have to be a running back to be a good quarterback in the pocket I think that's one of the big things we're learning as uh, more and more quarterbacks are getting adjusted to the way the NFL is going with everyone being out wide quarterbacks holding on to the ball longer so that's just something to keep in mind Josh uh, you mentioned Taylor Luan uh, note with that I don't know where it's gonna go I mean I'm kind of interested in that I think he has a uh, 
the mean attitude you want, you know, that beard attitude that we talk about that you want on the offensive line. Um, but I think he's going through some things. I think he's like suing his, the doctor who did a surgery on him recently because they, they apparently messed it up. So, so you do wonder what that situation is in, but man, I, I'd be pretty cool with Taylor Luan, even in maybe a backup role. Cause Josh, the theme of today is birthdays. And let me tell you this age time. It is all wild because Austin Jackson is six months older than 2023 draft pick Ryan Hayes. They're both 23 years old. And to me, man, I don't want to spin zone things that much, but a 23-year-old who has already had this much experience, you see how offensive linemen get better as they get older. We see now that more and more that offensive linemen aren't necessarily ready to come in and play. So Austin Jackson, man, do you have any hope he can pull something out or and put it all together being only 23 years old? Because I'll tell you one thing, man, at 23 years old, I couldn't pull together anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I think last season at this time, I even tweeted, you know, don't be surprised if Austin Jackson, he's only 23. I probably said the same thing about Noah Igbenogany because he was yep. younger. So, <laughs> I mean, we talk about how the Dolphins bring in these guys and almost redshirt him. I mean, maybe they brought him in hoping that he could eventually develop, but I still feel like you, you were hoping to see more out of Austin Jackson, right? Over Absolutely. the last four years. Um, you mentioned, I mentioned Taylor Lewan. I mean, he's a guy that's always been banged up, right? I think he played uh, 20 starts in the last three seasons and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he and Andre branch get into it a couple years back? Do you remember? I think he was like telling him calling. It was like a body bag or something. I can't remember. They were chirping away at each other on the sideline. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think regardless of who you bring in here that they're going to compete with Austin Jackson. And you're asking me if I have any hope um, very little, I'm a, I'm a big optimist. I'm a Homer. I'm, I'm hoping he can pull together because he is 23. Like you said, I mean, if he can even show anything and take that next step and, somehow develop and be a solid right tackle. I mean, the Dolphins signed him cheap because he, you know, it isn't, they didn't pick up that fifth year option. You gave him a relatively cheap extension and there you got that right tackle position solved. But um, hope I, I don't, I have as much hope for him as Liam Eikenberg. Do, do you have any hope in, do you have any hope in Austin Jackson? Much more hope in him than Liam Eikenberg. That yeah. there's just some of those advanced stats from him last year. I, I go back and again, I'll try to spin zone it. Just like they were forcing him to learn a new technique that maybe they were teaching him, like, I don't know, to tuck his elbow in playing basketball. So they tied his other arm behind his back. I don't know, dude. But the, the advanced analytics on Liam Eikenberg are just an absolute mess. And for a position like left guard, where if we were to power rank all 11 positions on the field at the same time, left guards 10 or 11 probably right so i mean that that shouldn't be happening that much but i mean austin jackson swing tackle left guard i i hope there's still opportunity there but man you brought up andre branch that had to be when they got absolutely killed in that week 17 playoffs on the line sad to or sad Tannehill on the sidelines that that must have been it right yeah, I, I can't remember. I just remember that there was some heat there, and I just I, – I loved it. I ate it up, I think. I, I don't remember. Maybe – yeah, I guess it wouldn't have been – on. maybe it was Andre Branch. I don't know. We're, we'll have to look it up. I bet I have a video somewhere on Twitter, and we'll uh, maybe we'll tweet it out with this podcast. That's perfect. And a perfect segue, Josh, because last year late in the offseason, um, Trey Flowers, the Dolphins signed him, and they also signed Melvin Ingram, kind of guys just to fill out the edges, fill out the pieces, veterans in the locker room. Josh, I'm curious to think because you, we have number 15 hanging in the ring of honor for Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, you just spent a first round pick on. Is that going to be one of those positions that come training camp, the Dolphins are snooping around? I mean, there's guys, Melvin Ingram still available. Trey Flowers still available. Justin Houston, excuse me, Bud Dupree, Frank Clark. I think all those guys are available. Is this a position, maybe not in the short term, but come July, August, the Dolphins are kind of sniffing around, hoping to find that one guy who could be a little electric? 
Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, we know the way the Dolphins love their defensive linemen, especially ones that are versatile. I mean, to me, looking at this list, I always wanted Trey Flowers before he signed with Detroit. That was a guy that was like really high on my list. I thought he was a no-brainer with Flores there. I liked what we saw from Melvin Ingram last season, though, right? I mean, he was all over the place when he was getting opportunities between him and uh, Jalen Phillips. And, you know, that Dolphins pass rush last year really took a step up. I, I We're sitting here talking about this. I kind of forgot Emmanuel Ogba's coming back healthy, right? I mean, you kind of overlook him as a signing. So um, I think they'll probably add depth eventually, perhaps, depending on how everything plays out. But you got to feel pretty good about the way that defensive line looks, at least heading into this season. And you have to um, – also, like some of those guys that are sitting out there, you have Malik Reed written down here that the Dolphins went out there and got him. That had to be Vic Fangio's idea, right? I think his best season came alongside Bradley Chubb. So who knows what those two can do together? I continue to want Jadavian Clowney. I know he'll probably cost a pretty penny. I know that he's probably not something the Dolphins need in that locker room, but I've always wanted Jadavian Clowney in a Dolphins uniform. So I kind of lean that way if they do go out there and bring in a guy. But when you think about what Melvin Ingram and Trey Flowers might cost in comparison, I mean – they're not going to get crazy deals on the open market. And again, I liked what I saw to Melvin Ingram last season. Melvin Ingram is the Adam Dunn of football, man. Have you, did you see his stat line? He had seven sacks, the most sacks he's had in three years. He had eight tackles. So <laughs> eight of his, seven of his eight tackles, man, were just sacks. So to me, he was that highlight guy. I mean, um, I think he had a fumble recovery against the Patriots early in the season. And that big smile kind of carried us through that start of the season. Uh, but, but that was definitely an Adam Dunn type guy. Josh, you mentioned Malik Reed, you mentioned Emmanuel Agba. Uh, those are the two wild cards. I, I thought last, I thought I was reading things about how the Steelers kind of used Malik Reed in, in coverage too much. That, that really wasn't the case. He just wasn't on the field a lot. Limited snaps. He had 25 tackles with a sack, two passes defended. Uh, three years in Denver, man, I think this is the guy. I think this is the person we're going to spend the most time talking about because the Dolphins did give him a multi-year contract and that's going to be, you know, the defensive end one on the second team. So he'll be going against the your backup left tackle, backup right tackle. And to me, that's how he's going to start getting that noise. I think Malik Reed is going to be one of those uh, preseason darlings where the arrow's going up and up just because of the situation and the opportunities around him. Yeah, and I might be a bit of a hypocrite. I mentioned Emmanuel Agba, and I think, you know, if people listen to this podcast, which I hope they did, you know, two years ago, we were sitting here talking about how important he was that defense, how the Dolphins need to find a way to sign him. I think after we saw last season, I mean, I think the Dolphins, if they had a chance, they'd probably try to get out of that contract, right, with some of the pieces they have there, some of the guys they're developing. But, um, yeah, I'm reading over the list here, and, I mean, I do think that they probably will go out there and try to bring in more depth at defense. I mean, you got Bradley Chubb, like you mentioned, Jalen Phillips, Malik Reed. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, they brought him back. I think I've heard Vic Fangio say very nice things about him. So, um, yeah, man, I think that's a position they might look to improve. And, again, I I just hope that we can see the best Emmanuel Agba. I mean, I don't know that he's ever going to warrant that contract that they gave him at this point, right? I mean, I don't even know how much he's going to find playing time with some of these guys, but um, that's what Vic Fangio is for. That's what this, uh, you know, this defensive system's for rotating those guys in and out, getting to the quarterback. I love that Melvin Ingram stat, though, but I do have to mention he's, I think, 34 years old. So, you know, we're sitting here talking about him costing peanuts. I mean, he's 34, and who knows how much time he has left. He might even retire for all we know. Dude, it, you make a great point. If the Dolphins are going to bring in a defensive end, make it Cam Wake. I don't think he officially retired. Go. Why not? Why not with this team the way it's set up? You don't want to see Cam Wake out there eight snaps a game. I, I promise you he could get you eight total tackles. Why not do that? Because I think that's also one of the players that I think are, is going to be kind of lost to history because the Dolphins kind of stunk throughout those years. But man, he was absolutely 
awesome to watch. Josh, we got one more thing to talk about. And since it's the heat of the off season, these are the things that are important. So our good friend, Miami's good friend, Mike Tannenbaum, worked at Wakona Park up the street from me. He came out and he did his tier of quarterbacks. The best, the emerging, the best arm. Josh, Tannenbaum says Tua is the least durable quarterback in the NFL. Why Why do we got to keep doing this, man? Why are we just stuck in this hamster wheel of just this? Yeah, I, I don't know. It makes you a little bit upset, right? And I, I try not to be one of those Dolphin fans that go on social media and sit here and you know, shout back at the analysts every time they say something about two or the Dolphins, because let's be honest, it's daily. I mean, they do it because they see the interactions. You know, they don't care if they get quote tweeted into oblivion. They don't care because you're still clicking it. People are still reading their stuff. But um, to me, that just seemed, you know, there was no reason for it, right? I mean, we know he loved Justin Herbert. We know he goes by the Bill Parcells commandments where these quarterbacks have to be a certain size, have a certain type of arm. Two is not the tallest quarterback. You know, he doesn't have the most, the, the strongest arm. Um, and I think we can all agree he's probably not, you know, we do worry about his health, but to say he's not the most durable quarterback. I mean, we've seen Lamar Jackson just as hurt, right? I mean, I know he's a running quarterback, but there's other examples of quarterbacks that have been through it. But um, I think this was just his way of taking a shot at his old team, which he continues to do. And hopefully the Dolphins continue to hear that noise and they maybe they go out there and improve the right tackle position, like we mentioned. Um, Carson Palmer, I think, was actually on Pardon My Take and uh, recently. And he was actually kind of concerned that Tua was just learning how to fall. Um, he was uh, like, yeah. this is something you should learn. You know, your second year of college, you should know this in high school. Uh, I get it. I understand that. But, I mean, I don't think you're being touched much at Alabama. I just don't think that's how it works. Um, no. I'm ready to see it play out. I, I do like everything Tua is doing this offseason. I don't know how you can spin it negatively. He's every offseason said he's going to work on something, and he's done it, and he's completed it successfully. Um, if he can play, you know, let's say 16 games next season, I, I think we're going to all be having a, a different tone when it comes to him. But Josh, we also had one more thing. Let, let's spin it back. Uh, who was it? Mike Silver? Uh, who was it that came out and said the Dolphins have uh, one of the what eleventh best quarterback room in the NFL? I think it was. I think it was Mike Clay. But real quick with the Mike Tua Clay. thing, it was the Jets. One of their first round picks, a like, dude that was like jumping over cars. Do you remember that highlight they showed during the draft? He, like yeah. his only highlight tape they had was him jumping over cars. He did an interview and he even said how jujitsu helped him with falling and things like that. And everyone, you know, thinks that'll help too. So um, I do think there's hope there, but I absolutely sure. understand where Carson Palmer is coming from. I mean, you're now four years into the end of your career and you only learn how to fall now. So let's pray, man, because if he can stay healthy, we're going to be giving him a fat check. But yeah, man, it was Mike Clay. I think he listed all of the wide oh, well he did wide receiver rooms a couple of days ago i think he had the dolphins maybe seventh in that it wasn't um i think a lot of dolphin fans probably got upset about that but then he did quarterbacks and he had the miami dolphins listed 11th and i think the biggest names that were ahead of him was cleveland with deshaun watson in that quarterback room and then jacksonville with trevor lawrence I better um prospect at least than Tua Tungvaloa and that was the one guy I always thought was you know edged Tua but to think that the Dolphins have the 11th best quarterback room I don't know how I feel about that I think that's kind of fair when you look at what Mike White and Skylar Thompson does but again to have Deshaun Watson after the season we had I mean what were your thoughts on that I was gonna say there seems like some recency bias with Trevor Lawrence but then there's the bias of hey let's talk about what Deshaun Watson did you know yeah. three years ago at this point so it, it's kind of weird to put that in context uh but man it's nice knowing that if they're you know football it's a dangerous sport knowing that we have the epic connection of mike white to tyler croft i mean that that's all we need i think there was a highlight that you shared where uh croft caught a game-winning touchdown with like 23 seconds left man that that's electric that's all we need 
Yeah, I was just waiting for someone on Twitter when I posted that wish list thing to be like, what, you think uh, you think he's quarterback one now? You don't like two and all this crap. Um, but that's just the way Twitter is. Before we get off the air, Jake, I had it written down, I think, previously, or I mentioned it, but Dalvin Cook, we continue to hear the rumors. June 1st is coming up in, what, 20 days. We know the Dolphins brought on Devon A-Chain. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know that they're going to trade for him again because his contract's up there at nine, ten million. But if he's cut, man, if you had Dalvin Cook to that running back room, I mean, I don't know how necessary it is, but I think we'll all be pretty stoked if it does end up happening. Which, um, you know, every day it seems like there's a rumor coming out the Dolphins might still be interested. Maybe, sort of, kinda. What are your thoughts? It's like a middle school dance. You can't tell. It's like, are they looking at me? I'm all the way on this wall. They're all the way over yeah, there. But like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, God, dude, that's so, such a weird, weird rumor to still be out there. I don't know if it's maybe Minnesota riding on the, uh, you know, former interest and, and trying to get someone to come in and, and maybe bid on, on Delvin Cook. I'm not entirely sure, man. But I mean, I love the idea of Raheem Mostert starting the year as the guy. He just fits that outside zone so well. He did an interview recently where he was just talking about how it's a great time to be a Dolphin. Um, you know, you, you Jeff Wilson for, you know, all the snaps he gets, I think is important starts in the locker room. I just think he's such a perfect attitude guy where having him as that, uh, you know, boomer going second, I, I'm a fan of that too. Then you have Selvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. Man, if I had to guess, one of those guys makes the roster. If that, maybe practice squad guys. And Devon Achin. I just, when you put all those names together, you know, guaranteed three guys and most are Wilson and H. I just don't know where Delvin Cook fits. I just feel there's not, there's, we can't, the Dolphins for years, especially under Mike Tannenbaum, made moves, signed guys just to do it, right? We're going to sign Adamakan Sue, not because we have a plan. We're just going to do it. That, to me, sounds like a 2016 Dolphins move. I don't know if the 2023 Dolphins make that same move. Yeah, I'm completely with you, and I don't know that I'd want to see them, you know, bring in, I mean, I can't say I don't want to see him bring in Dalvin Cook because he's special, right. but, I mean, you want to see Devon Achan get some touches too, right? And I think the coolest part, I think it was Raheem Mostert said that Mike McDaniel actually apologized for not giving the running backs more carries down the stretch and games that we've been so critical of. So, um I mean, even if you bring in Dalvin Cook, I don't know how you're going to sit there and feed all those different mouths, but um, it sounds like they're all up for it. I mean, it's just a good problem to have, I guess, at this point. If they cut Dalvin Cook and he says, I want to go home to the Miami Dolphins, you know, like Chosen Anderson did, I want to go there for a relatively cheap contract, you know, we'll be stoked on it. But I think we got to feel pretty confident in that Dolphins running back room when we have Raheem Mostert after coming off his best season. Jeff Wilson Jr., like you mentioned, uh, playing well, and then, you know, I think you're right with Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. I always, I always rotate between which one of those guys I think they'll keep. I do think it'll be Salvin Ahmed, and then hopefully we see some of Devon A. Chain. You mentioned how he's going to get on the field, returning kicks and things like that. But you got to feel pretty confident in that running back room. But definitely, definitely fix the right tackle spot. That's what we want to see, right? Exactly, and and the, I think I like the off season because you know you don't. You, I love watching football, but I love following these little breadcrumbs. I love the roster building process so in the same week we see miami sign an inline tight end as soon as raheem Mostert is saying that mike mcdaniel apologized they weren't running the ball more so just how are the dolphins gonna do good without a receiving tight end there we go. well they don't need to give a tight end 50 targets in the term form of mike Kosicki. it's just important to follow these breadcrumbs look at the offense the dolphins are trying to build and if we can have late season raheem Mostert with the help of these tight ends Dude, I'll watch him on angry runs for the rest of time if that's the case we have because he just hit that other level. I think that could have been Miami's way to win in Buffalo. 
he was hurt. You obviously had Jeff Wilson starting, but that to me, you follow the breadcrumbs. This is going to be a team that's more focused on running the football and don't confuse it with the fact that that means Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle aren't going to get volume. But when you think about Mike Gusecki's targets, when you think about what Trent Sherfield did, all these other guys, that's where the margins are going to change. And it should be a welcome sight that, hey, we have a tight end that's going to help us run the football instead of catch a three-yard out, not break a tackle, and then kind of fall over. Yeah, great point, man. And I know we all remember that Raheem Mostert run down the right sideline where he was just oh, bulldozing dude. over dudes. He looked like Ricky Williams. It was a thing of beauty. Um, Jake, I, th- I think we talked about everything we wanted to do. We do have to mention we'll be back late this week. I th- Big news. Friday because we're finally going to have the uh, schedule drop. I, I don't know if you're going to any games. I'm going to try to go to the Philly game, but I'm just excited to be able to see the way the schedule's laid out. I think the Dolphins have the second toughest strength of schedule according to you know this analytics and this and based off last season's records and none of that really matters right at the beginning of the year but dude football is getting closer and closer and closer and i'm just stoked to be here i think even rookie minicamp's coming up next week at some point so um we'll be able to see devon a chain in his uniform at like the panini america you know rookie premiere whatever the hell it is and i'll be posting it all over the social media run run a chain sure run that- I love it. And I'm sure the Dolphins are going to have some funny content about A-Chain just being super fast too. But Josh, you're right. We hit the nail on the head. That is all we have for today. We will be back later this week to break down the very important, direly needing to talk about schedule. But until then, we'll talk to you next time. And more importantly, fins up. Fins up. Look the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air. We're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.